0: This is the flight director. Begin launch status check. The CLCDR checking all stations are manned and systems are ready. Give me a go, no go. Talker. Rocker. FSC. That is a go. Capcom. Oh, navigation. Uh, navigation? Oh, uh, uh... We don't worry about uh, that, we're just going Wait, 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 wait what? 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 Here Here so- what? what, what? Welcome back to Space Castle, your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. I am Alex. My name's DT. My name is Seth. And I want to hear about Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we're doing it.
1: There's war. There's some stars. They fought. And that's how we got black holes. We did it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One of the most recognizable IPs on the planet uh, released something completely strange and new recently. Mm-hmm. And... I found it to be marvelous for different reasons, and I want to hear your take. Oh, yeah. I want to hear what... I know I know you guys, of all people, I see Seth's got a lightsaber on the wall. Like, you guys have things to say about Star Wars. I've had these conversations with you repeatedly. Tell me what you thought about Visions.
2: I am notorious for not liking most anything that came since Disney purchased it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is true. <laughs>
2: the one thing I really like is is Rogue One, and the rest can all just... Go to hell.
1: Yeah, we fight about it a lot. (laughs) I really, really, really
0: loved Visions.
1: Yes. Why? I mean, for good reason. It's amazing, but
0: why? One sentence answer, go.
1: (laughs) It's something completely different with no fucking
2: Skywalkers. Let's start there.
0: Yeah, boom, done. There
2: is Jedi. So like every one of the nine episodes does feature a Jedi in some form, which is still a little bit samey for me, but the angle in which things like the force are are dealt with and lightsaber fights and just Jedi in general is something new and refreshing. And it brings back that really cool just sort of mythology to it. That was really lacking since the prequels. Like there was a mythology to the force and to the Jedi and the whole order and whatnot in the original trilogy with you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda. And that went totally away, like pretty much to the opening crawl of the Phantom Menace. like all that stuff that made it really interesting and mysterious and and cool and, and, mythical was just it was just done it's chlorians, it's science blah 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 you're born into it you're not special so on so forth this brought back that that mysticism and it was really nice to have that back in star wars and i really really enjoyed it and i loved having jedi that weren't just a bunch of pricks they were actual like noble guys out there like just doing the right thing like trying to do right by people and and you know trying to actually make the galaxy a better place instead of basically being space cops which i hate that fucking angle
0: yeah, it's not a fun angle, no. For sure, yep. you're right that it becomes space cops after a while. It's like, all right, what do we do? We don't know how to handle this. Uh, Let's chop chop some hands off and call it a day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's very space cops. Just murder your way out of it. It's fine.
0: Je- you don't want. I mean, there's the whole like balance thing that's a theme, but you don't want like the Jedi to become arbiters of justice because it takes away from that cool mysticism that we like. Yeah the jedi definitely are not supposed to be arbiters of justice which is why they fought
1: against the the becoming like generals in the clone war so much
2: did they really though i mean cuz like mace windu says we're not warriors we're keepers of the peace it was mace windu but at every turn you see the jedi solving their problems with their lightsabers you don't see them actually talking things through or being clever right it's always just all right ignite your fight lightsabers knock some shit around with the force kill a
1: bunch of shit and then and then you win that's ideal situation is the the jedi aren't warriors they're You know, peacekeepers is what they're supposed to be. They are warriors now. Like they, they do solve their problems with, with a lightsaber, which is not how it's supposed to be. No, and it sucks. That's why the extended universe and now Legends, I guess, is what it's called, gets so much like love is because it's a big fucking galaxy with a long history, and those are stories worth telling. DT, I'm, I'm with you, and I'm so over the Skywalkers. Yeah, um I really wanted something different from the sequel trilogy than just more Skywalker drama, but that's neither here nor there. The uh, Visions gives us a glimpse into other stories within the history, which is important and why it's so good. Like this, it's nine absolutely amazing Japanese studios making nine different stories, it is fleshing out the galaxy. It's fleshing out the history, the universe. Um, The fact that we don't get like timestamps, the fact that these are non-canon stories, it really places them in like a, a backstory type situation, which is really what we want and what we need in the Star Wars universe right now.
2: Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about the studios because when Disney put this thing together, they were not slouches. Like they went out and they got some of the best anime studios out there. Like the duel, which is the first of the nine episodes, is very much like a like a Kurosawa send back. It's all in black and white, aside from like the lightsaber blade colors and shit like that.
1: Even like the opening scene is the same as a Kurosawa film.
2: Exactly. Yeah, and they brought in uh, Kamikaze uh, Duga to do that. Who I don't know if you guys have seen Batman Ninja. Nope. Mm -mm. That was their first feature, and it was fucking amazing and they just exploded onto the scene cool and like the duel the first episode of visions is no different like it is spectacular like those guys are absolutely fucking killing it they got a couple episodes done by uh studio trigger who did kill la kill and uh little witch academia who if you're a fan of anime you're very familiar with those both great (laughs) shows i'm not somebody who is a huge anime fan and i'm still very familiar with with those two animes The Ninth Jedi, which was one of my favorites of the entire series. The the Ninth Jedi is hands
1: down the best in the series.
2: Yeah, it was production IG, and uh, they're most known for Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, which is a great series and a great follow up to the
1: the feature film. Exactly. And you can, like, if it didn't have lightsabers in it, you could easily tell that this was, like, a Ghost in the Shell esque studio. Totally. Yeah. But Um,
2: Disney did not fuck around. They they, they did right by everybody. They're like, we're going to make an anthology of anime episodes. And they got the best people out there. The only thing that would have made it slightly better, and this is like a pie-in-a-sky dream thing, would be like if if Miyazaki or like Studio Ghibli did Star Wars, which would be just fucking dope, but very (laughs) different than what they did here. These are very serious stories. Some of them are actually pretty fucking dark, but yeah.
0: So, yeah. Okay. So, I I agree with you. These studios did crazy good work, but I just wonder how this thing started, right? Because it reminds me of, in film school, we had this thing called 73-Hour Film Festival. And the concept was that you have 73 hours, go figure, to write, um, edit, produce, or produce, edit, and then distribute your film uh, that would be played at the film festival uh, afterwards Mm -hmm. based on a single line of dialogue and a theme. And I feel like that's kind of what happened here is Disney was like, here you go, do Star Wars, but you're you're kind of free other than that. You can do whatever you want. So people would get the same line of dialogue, the same theme, and then go completely different directions. You get one story about like reflection and addiction, and you get another story that was like quirky and whimsical, and then you see that here with visions. it yeah. feels like like a screenwriting professor just put a bunch of really rad ideas in a hat and was like, "It's Star Wars. There's lightsabers. Those are your requirements. What are you going to do with it?" And they just like plucked it out. And my my main question is like, why wasn't I invited? <laughs> do you make anime?
1: <laughs>
0: no, I don't. But that's why. Well, there you go, motherfucker. That's why you weren't invited. <laughs> I could write a Star Wars story for sure. That would be so sweet. You should.
2: Yeah. I, I do wonder if, uh, like you said, like if Disney just said, hey, let's get all these anime studios together. They have to do something Star Wars and it has to feature a Jedi. Go nuts. And I wonder if uh, those studios like submitted some scripts that they were just like, no, or if they just let them go buck wild. Because there is some, there's some violence in here. There's some oh, yeah. unheroic things happening. There's,
0: there's deep, dark theme. Yeah,
2: exactly. And they get to, like I said before, kind of delve into the force in a way we haven't seen in any sort of star Wars feature in a really long time. So I'm sure they had guidelines. I'm sure they, you know, you can't have Darth Vader, blah, blah, blah. You can't go ape shit and change Canon. You can't go against Canon, but within that realm, there's still a lot
1: of shit you can do. And some of these, some of these studios went buck wild. Yeah. I have a little bit of, of shedding light on that. Um, Some of the things that they had that had leaked about the prompting was the nature of balance. Mm. Um which is why every episode is about balance between light and dark. There's also basically like what it means to be a Jedi is another like theme and prompt that they wanted to to discuss in these episodes. Mhm. Um which I guess is also why that's what all of these episodes are about. That's why like l- quite literally every episode is about what it means to be a Jedi. Right.
0: They're very condensed though. Like it's one setting generally speaking, one one primary conflict, one setting, one style. We have one episode to tell the entire story, so. Yeah, and so I, I just appreciate that that even across the board, I think the only one that really that I recall jumps from kind of one location to another is the ninth Jedi, but it's really just kind of like two locations because you have the interlude in the beginning to understand who the maker is, and then you get the maker's daughter. And
2: Yeah, it was the one that had that, like, that orbiting lab, like that orbiting sort of fortress the Citadel, over the planet. Which yeah. is
1: in itself a lightsaber
2: yeah thank you for picking up on that visual that was super dope yeah that last shot of that episode is just fucking choice
0: yeah i don't know i haven't i, I took notes on these right and one of the things i thought i was like this is kind of gimmicky I, I i picked up on it too but i I, it, I didn't it didn't land as well for me it's
1: not as as subtle as you might get from something you know that had a full season to deal with but they had to really get that image across because they had 20 minutes Let's talk
2: about the cast really quick, because this thing is fucking star-studded, and it's awesome. And I actually had a really good time trying to figure out who the voice actors were before the credits rolled.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: The first one I actually caught on to, and this is actually really weird, because it's, it's Tatooine Rhapsody, which I believe was the second episode. A young Padawan who has survived the purge, and he survives by escaping with a rock and roll band, and he becomes their lead singer. And I was like, oh, that guy sounds so fucking familiar, and I can't place the voice until we heard him sing for the first time. And I was like... This Joseph Gordon Levitt. And I was right. And it's like, what the <laughs> fuck? I don't know. I because he he kind of he talks with like a little bit of a, an unusual accent. Like there's a weird dialect for the character. And you can tell he's trying to make himself not sound like Joseph Gordon Levitt. But once he starts singing, his uh his vocal fry for some reason was like, it's Joseph Gordon Levitt. And I've never heard him sing like that before. I don't know why I picked it up.
0: I didn't pick that out, but it's wild. That's fantastic.
2: But he's excellent. You've got uh Allison Bree and fucking Neil Patrick Harris as two dark side twins who were genetically engineered to be the two most powerful Sith in the universe. And they have this fucking ridiculous, just batshit insane lightsaber duel on top of the outside of a star destroyer. They were both delightful. Alison Bree needs to play more villains in anything. Cause she's just totally, got that. Yeah. She's got she that great. regality about her voice, but also like that kind of strange innocence. And she's just, she just fucking killed it as like an absolute embodiment of evil. She was awesome. Yeah. There was one that I could not pick out and it, and I couldn't figure out why, because the voice was just super fucking familiar to me and I got to the credits and it was fucking David Harbor in the (laughs) episode of the the elder where the, the long haired kind of hippie Jedi and his Padawan uh, go to this planet and they encounter, uh, he's not a Sith anymore. He was, he's an old, very old Sith warrior who broke away from, you know, the Sith empire because he didn't care for him. He thought they were a bunch of idiots. But I could not place the voice, the the elder, the the titular elder who is the villain. I was like, okay, that's James Wong, and it's fucking dope that James Wong is playing a Sith. But I could not place David Harbour's voice. And as soon as I I saw the credits, and I saw it was him. I was like, god damn, that guy's versatile and amazing, and I want a full series of that, like just David Harbor being like a total, even keeled, well traveled, like chill fucking Jedi. Like that's what the Jedi should <laughs> be. It was fantastic.
0: That was one that really surprised me. That episode, the um elder because it started out very like hokey to me kind of like okay uh i don't know i didn't i didn't uh, like the beginning but by the end i loved it i was like this is fantastic
1: yeah, definitely one of my favorites
0: um, but you i mean you've already i mean you're t- talking about cast is in this yeah he, he's he's lazima uh, the first
1: voice i recognized was in the duel and this may speak a little bit to my high school uh movie taste but lucy Liu voices the villain in the duel
0: yeah and as
1: soon as she fucking started talking i was like what the fuck is this lucy Liu?" and that was when <laughs> when i i had this like oh is this this is i think this is lucy Lou. i was like wait a minute hold on i'm gonna look up to see if this is like it like is this just some weird random happenstance and then i started seeing like joseph gordon levitt uh, neil patrick harris and i was like oh okay this is a star-studded like season i get okay got it <laughs> yeah this isn't just some weird random Lucy Liu that happened to be like super random
0: in uh, Kyle Chandler's and Toby. Yeah, yeah he to was Obi-Wan. the scientist that uh, uh that created uh, it. Yeah. Fucking
1: Karen Fukuhara. Amazing. She right? Still as as F. Oh, so great. The the voice cast at least on on the English side. Obviously, I don't speak Japanese, so I don't know if it's any good, but like <laughs> fucking amazing. Amazing voice cast all the way through.
0: Like every oh, scene. You saw one. this George George Decay is in The final episode.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is excellent. Yeah. Uh, Tamara Morrison, who is famous as playing Jango Fett and has voiced a whole bunch of Boba Fett stuff and will be in Book of Boba Fett, which is coming out near in Christmas. He makes a little bit of a cameo in uh, Tatooine Rhapsody playing Boba Fett himself uh, alongside Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which was a delightful little appearance. I cannot
1: honestly, like I cannot imagine them going with anybody but Tamara Morrison for Boba. Uh...
2: Tamara Morrison's not my Boba Fett. My Boba Fett is Jeremy Bullock, the original Empire Strikes Back voice. He is. Come it's on. It's so it's so jarring, but that's that's a whole that's a whole other episode. Maybe we'll talk about that. Sometime. <laughs> we'll never get to. Yeah. <laughs> You're
0: gonna be so surprised to to hear that I'm kind of like in between your opinions here. <laughs> 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 that's the next thing. You got to tell me which one is your favorite. I have a very
1: specific ranking, and I think that we will match on most of them. Uh, obviously. The Ninth Jedi is the best. That one seems obvious. I, I will not argue that. That's, that's by far my favorite. My my rank is after that. The Elder is second. Because, oh yeah. Third is The Duel. Fourth is TOB-1. What a wonderful story that is. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. Because that was a really good story. Then and Ocho. Then Village Bride. Akakiri. The Twins. And my least favorite was Tatooine Rhapsody. Boo, fuck you. The the reason I don't <laughs> like Tatooine Rhapsody. Because you hate fun. Because I hate fun. Tatooine Rhapsody was a bucket for the song, which was great. Yeah. There was so little actual story there, and none of it connected or made sense. You get in the beginning that he is a Padawan, and that's basically it. There's no reason that he joins this band. They're, like none of it connected at all. So the story itself was non existent.
2: I disagree completely, man.
0: Okay. Well, what else is new? (laughs) (laughs) This is good podcast material. I think that he was a runaway Padawan, presumably during like Anakin's slaughter of the temple.
1: But why did he join the band? Why did he why did any of the why did the entire rest of the episode happen? How did he get in to talk to Jabba? Why is the other hut, why is he being like put to death and hunted? Because his desertion? No, they explained all of that in the episode, dude. Yeah, but none of it. That's what I'm saying. Is they they dropped in like, okay, this is why this happened, This is why this happened. None of it is like a story. It's just a list of things to make the song make sense.
2: I thought the song was totally ancillary. No, the story is about loyalty and and forming a family. Like, you had the the main character whose name escapes me. I think it was Jay or something. Jay. Yeah, it's so Jay. he was a padawan on the run from clone troopers because they were going to kill him because of Order sixty six, and he trips and falls and lands inside of uh, I think Ghee is the hut. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Lance in his ship and Guy is not your typical HUD. He's not a horrible gangster, like murderous son of a bitch. And he's like, he takes him in. And I'm sure Gee knows that he's a Jedi. I'm sure it's pretty clear that he knows what's going on, but you know, he saw something in him. They form a band and they become great friends. And then it comes to a point where Jay has to return the favor. He has to go and figure out a way to save, save Gee, And he does that through the power of music. But I mean, they talk about all this in the episode. Like they established that, that, you know, they took him in, they made him a singer They formed a family, and it's about family.
0: I think when I watched, I thought similar to Seth. Like in the beginning, I didn't. I was. I wasn't. I didn't really care for it. By the end, I I was. I was kind of sold on it. I think the the implication is that Gee is like related to Jabba at some you know to some degree or whatever, and he's just not participating in the crime because he's too busy doing a rock band thing. Exactly.
2: There's a legacy element where he is a deserter from essentially the crime family, and he's like, "Fuck you! I just want to be a rock and roll musician. I don't want to be a gangster. I'm not like you, Jabba." And Jabba's like, fine. If you're not going to come in and like help run the family and like be a traditional hut, I'm just going to fucking kill you. Like you're dead weight.
0: And then by the end, he, he, he Jabba sees the value of Gee doing what he's doing because I, he, entertain, I, he entertains a crowd. I don't think he sees the value of Gee's doing. It is because at the end, Jabba's like nodding his head and whatever.
2: Well, that was cute, but they appealed to Jabba's greed. It's like, hey, we're about to become really famous. We can make you a lot of money.
1: You shouldn't kill our bass player. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> I would really like to see an entire season of, the, of that show. Actually, I'd like to see an entire season of it, each and every one of these episodes. But that Tatooine Rhapsody is the type of story that needs more. Even if it was a ninth to Jedi episode length, if it was 20, 25 minutes instead of like 12, they could have rectified all of my issues with it.
2: I have a question for you guys, but let's all do our rankings quickly because my question is very much directly related to what Seth was just saying, but I think that deserves its own little bit of a segment in this episode.
0: All right. Well, then DT, you go next. Okay. So that's kind of gone through his.
2: Uh, Number one for me was the ninth Jedi. It was excellent. I love the fucking throwback style to like classic Voltron. I love the (laughs) storyline. Somebody on social media, I I just saw it in passing. Someone said, I'm just going to say it. The ninth Jedi is what the sequel trilogy should have been
1: yep Ooh. Fuck
2: yeah! I cared so much more about the lead character in the Ninth Jedi than I ever did Ray, and everything was just really well done. Just a sense of adventure and a sense of mysticism, and a lightsaber blacksmith is just a really fucking cool concept. So cool. Yeah. So. Cool. And his fucking like grappling hook launchers—he's launching into orbit to pull rocks down so he can mine the fucking kyber crystals—was just really, really cool. So dope. Yeah. The Ninth Jedi was number one for me for sure.
0: I loved the Ninth Jedi. Unabashedly, I, I yep. my notes here are hilarious on it. It just says this is the best episode since the first one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the duel after that, for sure, just because I absolutely love the art style. I thought Kamikaze just destroyed it, and I love the Kurosawa sent back. I was skeptical, I thought it was going to be a little bit hokey to have all these stories centered around like Japanese culture. But then it dawned on me that Star Wars is essentially based on Japanese culture anyway. (laughs) Um, Like when George Lucas made the first Star Wars movie, he actually had to go out and buy the rights to the Kurosawa movie, The Hidden Fortress, because it's basically the same movie. So Star Wars (laughs) is heavily, heavily influenced by Japanese culture. So I love the idea that everything's coming full circle with Visions in that now Visions is heavily sort of centered on Japanese culture. Again, I really dug that. Number three for me is definitely the elder because i just fucking love david harbour in that role and i love james wong as an old like derelict sith who's just gone mad and just doesn't fucking give a shit anymore that was excellent uh after that i really dug tatooine rhapsody i did i really dug it i love the fact that it was centered around a jedi but it had nothing to do with being a jedi it was something we don't really see too much in star wars and that's music and culture so we see a little bit in like the cantina scene in A New Hope, we saw like Jabba's palace with the band in Return of the Jedi, but otherwise we don't see like just musicians, like people just fucking rocking out, which I really, I really dug that.
1: I, I think that and Rhapsody actually has quite a lot to do with being a Jedi. Jay, the, his journey couldn't save his friend, right? When he gets kidnapped, his lightsaber didn't even work. So then he figured out another way to do it. And at, when he's on stage, he kind of comes into his, his like Jedi-ness. He's not hiding anymore. He's got his fucking lightsabers on microphone now. He jumps way up in the air. Like he, he kind of comes into being a Jedi to save his friend.
2: That's fair. Yeah, I dig that. I mean, he is a Jedi. So it makes sense that, you know, that aspect of his character comes into play at his, at his most pivotal moment. Yeah. Uh, after that, uh, I think uh, Lop and, and Osho. I'm sorry, Lope, Lope and Osho. I don't want to trigger Seth. We had a yeah, whole thing fu- where. There was a conversation where everybody's mispronouncing it, even though they actually pronounce the name the way it's supposed to be pronounced in the episode. And Sith was, or Seth Sith. Oh my god, dude, you're Sith now. <laughs> 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 he was he was heavily triggered by it, and, and rightfully so. But yeah, that episode was great. I love the art style, just the the kinetic like style of the animation there. The story was great again about family, which I really dug. Mm-hmm. Just excellent episode. Um, after that. Probably the twins, just because it was so apeshit. And Allison Bree and Neil Patrick Harris is like opposing Sith, like biological living weapons, just going absolutely fucking bonkers with lightsabers and, and force powers and all kinds of wacky shit. I really like that one a lot. Um, the Village Bride, which I thought was delightful. Almost like a, almost like a, another Kurosawa sort of send back. I really got sort of a Seven Samurai vibe from it, where yeah. like you had this one lone Jedi who was trying to kind of got caught up in a struggle of this this village who was being, you know, threatened by raiders and she ends up saving the day. Spoiler alert. But the art style there, the quietness and the intimacy of the storytelling, I thought was just absolutely lovely and delightful. Yeah. And I really, really dug that episode. I love all these. It's really hard to rank these. Yep. Yeah. Akakiri. The very last episode.
1: Akakiri is a really good way to end this series, I think. It ends on a really dark note. It's very dark, yeah. I don't personally like the story that's told there and the animation style is like not my favorite i didn't enjoy it obviously because these are all like i'm saying i don't like this episode but every single one of these nine is like an eight out of ten or above so like yeah i don't like it but it's still
2: like really fucking good it, uh reminding me of samurai champloo yeah where a lot of the animation and the art is almost like shorthand mm, yeah yeah Where yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just sort of shapes as opposed to like fleshed out figures and whatnot and like the the action and the movement is very kinetic, but it's also very sort of abstract. Which yeah, definitely. And now to think about it, the 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 twist at the very end of the story was actually really good. So actually, fuck, I'm already committed to my list, but now I kind of want to raise Akakiri up higher. But yeah,
1: Akakiri is a good episode and a really good way to end the
2: the season. It ends on a down note, and that's what life is. It's a series of down notes. <laughs>
0: Like the story itself is, is something that we've heard before, right? It's like, well, all these are, but yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Star Wars is just the hero's journey. It's like, I could hear you f- for me. I'm like, okay, he's got visions, powerful dude. They're forcing his hand. He makes a mistake and, and is, uh, okay. I don't want to f- f- spoil anything. It's, it's, it's excellent. We've spoiled the episodes already. Like you might as yeah. well. All right. I'm going to, uh, how about this? I'll just give you my, my ranking really quick.
2: Well, my last one's Toby. You
1: liked, you liked Toby the least? (laughs) I love them all equally
2: and differently because they're all wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But the one that resonated the least with me was Toby. But I love the fact that it was very much like a, like a classic Astro Boy throwback. I love the animation style. It was super, super lovely and charming and very, very sweet. And I loved how Toby got his name. And I loved uh, his interaction with, it was almost like a Mega Man vibe. Where he had this Fair. scientist trying to do some shit, and he creates like this, this cybernetic boy to help him with it. Boy ends up becoming a warrior out of necessity, and I love the fact that he got to fulfill his dream of becoming a Jedi.
0: It was very, very sweet. And fulfill Mitaka's dream. He was, he's continuing his, his creator's dream. Yeah, the, the work of Mitaka. I really liked
1: Toby because it it shows a side of the Jedi that we don't see very often, and that is like the creator side this fallen jedi i s- assume or jedi in hiding is he's just there to fucking terraform a planet and like bring life to this place and the whole story is about like life moving on. Toby obviously is continuing his work he's a not a real person, like all of this stuff it's it's a really good like from death comes life kind of story that we don't see in Star Wars at all. Yeah. It's really good. I really liked it. It was a I thought it was an a very unique premise for a Star Wars story.
0: There are a lot of implications in in that episode for sure. The, you know, you get a little bit about AI because, you know, presumably there's some biological makeup of Toby, but he's like a somebody capable of being a Jedi that's been fabricated, you know. But then there's also something about like terraforming and this mission to create, like you were saying, Seth. But then also, he's just doing the thing, like, oh, I'm a retired Jedi. I'm gonna go and like garden. Yeah, <laughs> can I just can I just do that, please? And no, apparently not. Not in this environment. Not in this universe. Um, because uh, he's too powerful. There's there's a lot of touches to power in a lot of these, especially in like, well, actually, in just about every episode. But like that. The, the difference in, in power levels from one sort of socioeconomic status to another.
2: Yeah. And I love the fact that Toby is an Android and he's a droid. So he hasn't ha he doesn't have any like ingrained natural abilities with the force. He doesn't have, I, I, I don't want to fucking say midi-chlorians, but that's the biological way of explaining it. Like he's wow, not, wow. <laughs> he's not a, a living being quote unquote. And the story has him being a Jedi through very creative means yeah he gets help from his, his other robot buddies who like boost him up and like power him up and help him jump higher and, and swing harder and it's it, it's it's very touching that not everybody can be a jedi but i love the fact that toby said that yeah kind of sort of everybody can be a jedi yeah you don't necessarily have to have the force you just have to have that will to be a hero
1: that's kind of yeah uh you know this that episode's touch to the overall season theme of of what it means to be a jedi and that's that's kind of the whole thing is like they're, it feels like they're trying to distance themselves away from the midichlorians talk in that saying, like, okay, the Jedi aren't just force sensitive people that were born into a high midichlorian count. Like, Jedi are peacekeepers, they are creators, they are a force for good in the galaxy. And, like, if you want to be a Jedi, you can be a Jedi by, like, being that force for good in the galaxy and, and, embodying what it means to be a Jedi. You don't have to be a force
0: user necessarily. And it's not blood inheritance and family, family, families yeah. and and all that, which is something that I think the sequel trilogy fumbled. Um, Absolutely. And, and totally could have gone in the direction that I think this, this is sort of uh, making up for that in a way, <laughs> yeah. you know, in particular, the ninth Jedi, one of the things that I loved about it is like, presumably all these people they are coming to, They're coming to this planet and they're just after there's no mention of the force or anything like that until the big reveal. Mm -hmm. But presumably, they're just coming there because they're going to be able to potentially get a lightsaber and then figure out how to use that in their individual areas as best they can. And that's what it like kind of seems like they're headed towards. And then all of a sudden you get a quick change and you realize what's going on. Now you've got two good guys against six bad guys. I love that. It was really oh fucking God. cool. That reveal so was just good. choice, yeah. And
2: what
1: a choice way to do it too, by having the lightsabers reflect the 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 user, uh, the user's like force allegiance or sensibilities. What a fucking smart, like just so cool,
0: man. Well, there's a thing that I picked up on, and you guys probably picked up on this too. But I had so my <laughs> in the ninth Jedi, which is my number one rank by far like i i knew it was my favorite like two minutes in (laughs) i started with this little interlude flashback with uh lazima but there's like really cool over the ice like chase scenes and then it breaks really quickly with the music and then kara like busts out this lightsaber and it's it's black it's like translucent yeah it's translucent but when as she's like headed toward her destination, it seems like it's turning green.
1: Very, very subtly it's beautiful, yeah. During the fight, it, it hard snaps to green. Yep.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. I rewatched
1: this after the fact with Nicole and I referred to that moment as the decision because it's a pair of decisions by both of those two people fighting. You have Kara, who is unconscious, though it may be, her lightsaber snaps to green. The person she's fighting, his lightsaber goes to purple away from red because i noticed that too yeah yeah, because he is not he was just kind of consumed by the rest of the people's darkness like he and that's why he kind of becomes a good guy at the end right um the the decisions is both of them fighting be like hey this actually like we're making this like change in our mindsets to be on the light side of the force here it was what a good fucking episode that was
0: yeah, it's a representative of their souls, a representative of their like intention and yeah. it's so so good. I just I loved it from like the the top to the bottom. Also, it's just subversions of tropes all the way through. All the way through. You know, you get the Margrave who could be he's like the baked-in bad guy, right? Like totally Sith when you see him in the hologram. Yeah, and then well, actually they have a a good thing going here. Like the, the blacksmith, the Margrave. Yeah. Kara, like they have something fine here and and uh, they have history and that means something to them. And the Margrave is like ends up like protecting, which is cool. I like I like that because he's so the he's quintessential bad guy. Yeah. And then ends up being kind of not. Um okay, so I'm gonna rip through my others and then we can talk about why. But I like l lo- uh Lopinocho probably next best. Um mm. just because of the city environment and a lot of the family implications there, uh the i think the character arcs in that episode are better than you see in any of the others yeah it's it was a toss up though between lopinochio and the duel because i i agree with dt i think our lists are very similar like the duel is to me one of the best ones i think it sets the tone right off the bat like you have this ronin and then he draws his lightsaber and it's red and you're like okay this is changing <laughs> this is not what i expected oh my goodness so good and the ronin is is a proper ronin He's just gonna do Ronin things, so he's <laughs> not necessarily a bad guy. But maybe he aligns more with the dark side of the force. Okay, interesting, cool droid, funny droid uh, interactions and antics, and then you know you get a, like a tiny village leader, <laughs> the chief is like a child. I thought I thought it was great. I just loved the duel. I thought it set the tone perfectly. After that, maybe maybe the village bride. I would have said the Elder, but I I think the the beginning was kind of flat and awkward. Like my note on it was that Don or Dan or however you say the Padawan's name is Dan. It was Dan, Dan. Yeah,
1: there's a few like like American names in there: Ethan, Dan, Luke. Yeah, Luke. Leia. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would say Leia's probably not, but um,
2: definitely. I've I known like a dozen Leias. Anyway, Alex,
0: continue. In the beginning of uh, the Elder, like david harbour kind of slurs all his lines in the beginning and i'm i was curious if that was like an affectation that he put on for the purpose of the character or if it was just by nature of voice acting whatever that's just how his voice sounds it doesn't really bother me what bothered me more was dan's uh like sarcasm is really important for that character in the beginning because he's kind of like a plucky padawan and it comes out so flat like it just comes out super flat
1: yeah does not land at all that is very true.
2: It doesn't. It doesn't carry over. Like I couldn't tell if the character was actually being genuine or being sarcastic until he actually said, "I'm being sarcastic."
1: Yeah. You're
0: like really? Yeah, exactly. You were. Are you sure? And you get it. You. I think they rescued it by the end. Like in the middle, he gets better, and the end, he's he he his line delivery is better. But I just I just remember being taken out of the story because of that. Like, oh, it's the quintessential plucky banter, disturbance in the force, eager Padawan, wise master kind of prequel shit that we liked but it was just not done well not delivered well in the beginning yeah and that that, that's not on the it's not really on the voice acting as much no it's on the direction for sure it's exactly it's on the direction it's not and so it's not really it's kind of acting a little bit but it's mostly direction because you that's something you have to take from from your director as a voice actor so
2: that's something we saw in uh what if from marvel too where some of the voice acting just does not fucking work and that's that's the onus of that goes on to the the voice directors because, like we know that S- Sebastian Stan can act, and he doesn't even sound like Sebastian Stan in his episode. I don't know if he was in multiple episodes. He just doesn't. He, he's not fucking there. He's not present, and it's that's the fault of the the voice director. Anyway, Alex,
0: I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah, I mean that. that I mean you hit you hit it on the head. That's basically it. I thought it was an excellent setup for uh, the story. Uh, just poor execution. Um, you know, ultimately great story i liked it but i didn't i didn't appreciate how it was was fully realized um okay so then after that i think for me it's sort of a a tie between three and four the the village bride i think was maybe slightly better than the twins but i really liked the implication of the twins and how i liked all the cool force shit like that's what yeah (laughs) that's what you know we're you're halfway in for with star wars stories and i think it took a lot of the things that came about in the last jedi that people felt weird about with force implications, like floating around outside the spaceships and, and, um, what could be done introduced a new sort of style of lightsaber, which I thought was interesting. The kind of variable length, uh, saber, um, that I don't, I hadn't, I'm not familiar with. I I don't think we'd seen that before. So I just thought that was really cool. Um, I thought it was a fun one to watch story-wise, not my favorite, yeah pretty straightforward. Like it's just, it's twins who are on sort of opposite sides. But um, you could
2: almost call that episode the duel, just because the entire focus was just two wildly powerful beings just going
1: nuts. Going, so. yeah. I do really like that they had the Gemini class carriers. Yeah, fucking cool idea. The two
2: star destroyers cool. linked together with a giant cannon in the middle—that was something unique. And I thought I was going to hate it, but I ended
1: up thinking it was really actually kind of dope yeah,
0: and re- and representative of the the story as a whole. Even it's called the twins, like.
1: Exactly. It was, yeah, it was a very like thematic thing. Plus Gemini class is a really cool, like way to, to classify. I, I really liked that. That might've been my favorite part of that the episode.
0: Mythology or etymology. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gemini. Yeah. Very cleverly named. Um, yeah. And then the village ride I thought w- w- was, was, was great. I think that was more story driven, more interesting on that front. Mm-hmm. But, but you, you said like, it, it felt sort of like, um, uh, Kurosawa or, or, um, ghibli it felt very ghibli to me ghibli yeah. yes yeah 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 um and then yeah after that i would say probably Tattoo and rhapsody and i agree with i agree with dt like i think toby for me and when i watched it, it just didn't fit into the arc like it, i think it would be a cool individual star wars story and it is but it i don't know it just if it belonged there maybe it's one that really belongs closer to the beginning of the sequence of these episodes i
2: agree yeah like a pairing of Tatooine Rhapsody and Toby would, would yeah. fit better than where Toby was placed in the order, I think.
1: I felt really jarred the first time going from the duel to Tatooine Rhapsody. It felt like just a, a weird like pair of episodes to put back to back.
0: There's just a mix here. If you, you If you viewed them all as one sort of continuous story, which they aren't at all, but if you wanted that sort of vibe of your standard story arc to translate to the sequence of episodes it makes sense that you'd put like the twins where the, where it is and the, the village bride and the ninth Jedi, because that's like the meat of your movie, I guess. But um, yeah, I think Toby kind of belongs earlier on in this sequence. And then, uh, you know, to speak to Akakiri, cause we, we sort of addressed that a little bit, but I, I, I didn't care for it as much as some of the others. It might've been the animation style. It might've just been the story kind of ending on a dark note like that. Yeah. Like, I think Lope and Ocho could have been a, a good ending. Um, for the entirety of it or just put the ninth jedi there because it was your best
1: i think the 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 duel and akakiri were a really good way to begin and end the series like i that felt really intentional to me and i i love that they fucking ended it on like this dark sad note that was that was just a a master stroke for the season in my opinion
0: well it was very much kind of similar to stories that we've heard before it's, i mean that's the anakin story it's like it's you're you're having a a would-be good person turning to the dark side for necessity because of somebody that they loved and a mistake that they did like we've already heard that story before mm-hmm. yeah so i wasn't i wasn't really like fully jazzed on it i just i thought it was cool i i, I was fully taken by the the twist and the surprise there at the end but i I just kind of like we've we've crossed this bridge before. I, I like this the family vibe of Lopin Ocho better. I like um the the um the ninth Jedi just like far and away blew all the others out of the water yeah. for me.
1: Now an interesting note, since now uh, the ninth Jedi we all know is the best episode. I don't actually know that anybody can test that even online. It's an amazing episode. What's interesting to me is the duel. Is getting a novel adaptation really yes Hmm. Uh, mostly apparently um mostly beforehand and a little bit after the episode so i find it interesting that of all of these episodes so far the
0: only one that's continuing is the duel well the duel is more confined i think it's easier to adapt into a novel like the ninth jedi requires like i would want a whole season and series the duel is the only one that we know of. Like, there may be many other book deals,
1: but that, that one is the only one that's like out there. Alex, does that complete your list?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I put Toby and Akikiri down at the bottom, uh, even though I, I do think Toby has interesting things to say. It asks sort of some of the most important questions, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was just quirky, so it was just it didn't for me. I prefer the more story driven ones. Yeah, outside of obviously my my the twins insert is up there high because i just enjoyed that so much
1: (laughs) look if you're gonna cut a star destroyer in half with a lightsaber like i'm there for it. i'll watch it
2: (laughs) (laughs) all right let me ask you guys this this is obviously a hit we're talking about it lots and lots of other people are talking about it i can't imagine there won't be more visions seasons do you guys want the series going forward to be these slice of life one-off episodes every season Or do you want seasons two, three, four, however long it goes, to be continuations of these stories every season?
1: I want vignettes all the way through. I want each and every episode to continue as it is now, as a a singular one-off story told by a different studio most of the time. A one-off, non-canon story. I love this idea, and I love being able to play in the space. I would like other things. like I would love novel adaptations or another season on each of these, but I think Star Wars Visions... Should continue to be vignettes.
2: Okay. I'm torn on the idea because at the same time, I like these very small self-contained slice of life stories that are very unique and special for what they are. I also really love a lot of these characters. And I think some of these, these episodes could be continued on. I don't know that uh, like the, the bride would be something that would continue on. It feels like a very self-contained story. I'm honestly kind of shocked that the duel is the one that's getting like an expanded treatment because it seems like a very much contained story in and of itself. I want more of fucking Joseph Gordon-Levitt's rock and roll Padawan. I really do. <laughs> yeah. I want more but of that. The rock
1: and roll Padawan needs more. It needs a season of episodes.
2: Yeah. And I want a full-fledged... I will buy a fucking manga. I want a full season of half-hour half episodes to go on for years of The Ninth Jedi. I fell in love yes. with that story. I yep. love it. Same.
1: I'm right there with
0: you. I'm with Seth on the vignettes. Uh, presumably these studios were approached by disney and they said give us your best idea and they had to have people pitch and i want to hear what got second and third places at those studios because those could be excellent stories you know so i would see uh some of these characters in different uh animation styles that would be awesome right like we see the characters from tatooine rhapsody in the styling of of the ninth jedi or 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 whatever yeah that'd be dope yeah Um, but no 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 need to continue these stories i'm with udt like i want more ninth jedi i've i've said it like 10 times now but like (laughs) but uh yeah i'd I'd want more vignettes i want more individual stories because i just want to see those those little like small delicately told stories like lopenocho is one of my favorites out of these nine yeah and i think the story was wrapped up nice and concisely at the end
2: Fair enough. I also, on the flip side, want more and more studios to have a chance to have their voice in these two. So as much as I want a continuation of a lot of these stories, I want more and more varied storytelling and more and more animation styles coming out and being put on display here. Because this is not only just really good fucking cool Star Wars telling and something we've needed for years and years and years. It's also an amazing platform for some just fucking stellar anime studios to get more mainstream notice. Yeah. Like totally. like uh, of the three of us, I'm the only one who's seen Batman Ninja. Batman Ninja was fucking amazing. So when I found out that uh, that Kamikaze was going to be doing a Star Wars story, I was like, oh my God. And, and it fucking lived up to every bit of expectation. Like it blew my mind. Like the animation style where it's 3D animation, but it looks painterly like an old, almost like an old kanji scroll or something. Like it was just really fucking cool. They knocked yeah. it out of the park. And I help more people discover these studios and they help they go and they look up more of their works. And, you know, even as somebody who is not a huge fan of anime, I love all the studios that are on display here. And I want more and more people to discover them and for more studios to get that opportunity to become more recognized and, you know, get a little bit more mainstream sort of hype.
0: It certainly feels like this comes off as like a tryout, you know, you, here's your trial to like, show us what you can do. And I think everybody just nailed it. Oh man. I mean, can we
2: have more of that in star Wars, please? Can we have some weird quirky shit? We're, we're just going to try it out and see what happens. Yes. Instead of this cold, I can't say calculated because the sequel trilogy is a fucking mess, but just this, you can tell it's so wholly corporate, both yep. the successes and the failure failures of star Wars since Disney bought it have been very, very corporate and cold and calculated and done by people who aren't the best storytellers and continuously lose their way. These are all, everybody who took part in Visions is a very keen storyteller, a very gifted storyteller, Mm -hmm. and the writers and directors and animators here are just fucking top-notch. And let's do more of that, please. Call it what you want. Let's call it Legends. Let's call it Expanded Universe. It doesn't have to be canon. Let's just have weird and unusual and cool and creative that's the key word is creative stuff in Star Wars again, please.
0: Yeah, we just need heart instead of just like the mind aspect. Like thank you. The 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 sequel trilogy was very much like, all right, we have master painters here, but they they're getting a brush in their hand and then somebody's telling them what to paint. Yep. And they're telling them what to do. And this the these stories are like, all right, these people are putting their heart and soul into it. It's very clear, it's obvious that they're making something that's genuine and new and unique. Um, And I think what Disney needs to hear is that DT won't rest until we get Ewok Jedis.
2: Fine, let's have it. I'm fucking, (laughs) let's do it, man. Let's have Ewok Jedis. Let's have Hut Jedis. Let's have some weird shit in Star Wars again. In conclusion, go watch fucking Star Wars Visions and tell Disney we need more cool, unique, awesome stuff in Star Wars again.
1: Well, now that I'm thinking about it again, like the, I I totally understand why the duel is is getting a novel adaptation. This ronin is a very interesting character. Like, think just to circle back just for like a minute, and then we'll we'll wrap this up. Is he a Sith? Maybe. Is he someone who's collecting Dark Side crystals out of lightsabers? Yes. Why? What is happening? Why did he? He's giving. He gave that a dark crystal to this village. Is that out of menace because he is a Sith and he knows that the Dark Side crystal is gonna corrupt this whole fucking village, or? Is he just trying to be nice, like he's not a Jedi, dark, like side, dark side at all, and he's just literally a Ronin who's like fighting evil people and doesn't know that giving this village a dark side crystal is going to corrupt it. Oh, it's like there's
0: power dynamic. There's, it, he's
1: a very interesting character, and I, I get why there's a, a novel. Basically, that end scene where he shows the inside of his jacket, there's 50 questions there that need answers.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I want to know, you know, because I like the questions. Better. The questions are great, uh, you know, because because arguable, you could make the argument that he's just giving the crystal to the to the village because it's valuable, some to be able to protect themselves in the future, and it's valuable, right? But also, you could be that he's trying to corrupt everybody. Who knows?
2: I don't think he's good or evil. I think he's just existing in the universe. He's trying to make his way. I don't think he's a, a Sith or a Jedi. He's just somebody who has force powers who doesn't fully give a fuck. And if a Sith crosses path, well, fuck that Sith. If a Jedi crosses his path, I don't know, fuck that Jedi too. But Sith probably have a habit of trying to track him down or crossing paths with him because Sith aren't passive people, beings. Mm-hmm. They're they always constantly getting caught up in conflicts or trying to stir up shit or conquer or something. And he just happens to be there and he's really fucking skilled at what he does. So he's either collecting the lightsabers, crystals as like trophies of his victories because... I don't know, he's not a bounty hunter, I would say, but he's somebody who obviously takes pride in being a warrior and kicking the shit out of these motherfuckers. But I don't think he's he's got the the crystals because they have power. I don't think he gives it to the village because it's got power. I think he just gives it to him because it's valuable. It's like, here, cool, there you go. Thanks for fic- fixing my droid and shit. And he gives, uh, what's his face? The guy who repaired his his droid uh, the weird sort of parasol lightsaber spinning thingy. He was like, here, take this. I don't fucking care. I don't care. He doesn't give a shit. He's just somebody who just exists outside of good and evil. He's just there.
0: So he could have gotten the original kyber crystal just by like, he, he killed a Sith, and now he's got one, and he's running around, and he's just taking care of business.
1: There you go, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I think he is definitely more on light side because he helps this village. Like, he he is nice to this old man. He's helpful, like, and there is not a single non-red crystal in his jacket.
2: Maybe he's in a point like uh, like the Ninth Jedi, where there's not a lot of lightsabers around. And the only ones that are around are are Seth. Are, are I keep mixing up Seth and Sith this fucking episode. He's got only <laughs> Sith crystals because maybe that's just the only thing that's around at the time. I don't know. We don't hear a whole bunch about Jedi. Because we talk about the the, the Sith lady. Doesn't, I think she actually says that she's never fought a Jedi before, or never encountered one or something. Mm-hmm. She
1: says it's been a while since she killed the Jedi. Yeah.
2: So that makes sense that there would only... Maybe it's a point in time where the Sith have conquered and it's the only people around. But no, I don't think the character is evil. I don't think he's necessarily good either. I think it's a balance. And I really dig that because we've never really seen that in Star Wars as far as the Jedi and Sith.
1: That's interesting.
2: Here's somebody who has Force abilities. He's not exploiting them he's not using them for his own personal gain he's also not a nice guy either he's obviously somebody who's seen his fair share of action and doesn't stray away from a fight but he's not necessarily out there looking for it either i dig that a lot that's why
1: he's a ronin he hasn't he doesn't have a side yeah He's he's on a, he's on both sides. As no master. Yes, but he still conducts himself with honor, which is why he's like, yeah, it's good. I I see why it's getting a novel. Like there is there's a lot of story to tell there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just don't know if I want to know what the actual answer is. I do. I just like it. I want to know. You know I, I do. I, all right. Yep, I'll, I mean, I'll, look, guys. Look, like, I will take that story in and I will I will, I will enjoy it. But um, yeah, I don't know. He would have a you know would he normally have a purple lightsaber if if he had the. The black lightsaber from the ninth uh, ninth Jedi, would it turn purple form? Well,
1: the black that's because Kara didn't have a strong connection to the force on either side.
2: I hate purple lightsabers. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like the use of it in the Ninth Jedi, but I thought it was really stupid to give Mace Windu a purple lightsaber just because just because Sam Jackson wanted just one. Because he wanted it. Narratively, it doesn't make any sense. Why not? Because purple, like what well, the way the Ninth Jedi used it, the the actual visual of the purple lightsaber shows that it's it's between. It's not blue. Mm-hmm. It's not red. It's somewhere in between. And I love the fact that that character who whose crystal turned purple because he's a good guy, but he was being sort of seduced and drawn into the darkness of all the evil people around him at the moment. That's cool. I like that. Mace Windu is just having a purple lightsaber. That establishes a weird sort of, um, it it makes him a cipher. Like we know that blue and green are good colors. We know that red is a bad color. You've got this leader of the council who's got a purple lightsaber and immediately the visual establishes him as being an anomaly somebody that should we trust him i don't know there's a lot of things in the prequels where they just didn't think things through and visually and in terms of storytelling it doesn't work because it muddies the waters
1: it's just i it's disagree really well yeah, fuck you that, i'm kidding th- that's that's <laughs> the whole point is that he is he is supposed to be the arbiter of the the, the devil's advocate that even kill of the Jedi. like all of the jedi council are supposed to be even they're supposed to be able to understand both light and dark sides so him having an in-between lightsaber if this is how this works which it's not this is wholly new this
2: concept of the the crystal reflecting the the intentions of the user is a wholly unique thing that they invented for the story and i do really like it because again it ties back to the mysticism of star wars that's been missing like we don't need a fully fleshed out explanation of why this crystal bonds with its user and it, it reflects the you know the color of their soul so to speak just tell us that like the first Star Wars movie, we didn't need to know what fucking midichlorians were. We just needed to know that there was a life force in the universe and certain people through training and will were able to learn to manipulate it and, and use it as a tool or as a weapon if they want to. Like, that's all we ever needed. We never needed science. We never needed midichlorians. We never needed any of that shit. And I love that Visions doesn't try to follow that suit. Yeah. It just, it's like, here's fucking Star Wars. It's, it's space wizards. There's magical shit happening. Just go with it. I love that.
0: You can't take your soft magic and make it hard magic. It just doesn't work. Exactly. If you're trying to make rules for it that don't need to be there, then it's going to take away from the the spectacle of it. The interesting part, the the fascination, the thing that makes you go, oh, shit, Yoda just lifted an X-Wing out of the swamp. That was legit. You don't need to know about how many midichlorians Yoda has. Yeah. Is there that, is that, do you guys hear a chime? Oh, oh yeah,
2: I do actually, yeah. Uh, It's time for Messages from Earth.
0: Hi, I'm Kay.
1: And I'm Jay.
2: And we give you the Fuck My Work Life podcast.
0: The weekly podcast where we read your workplace stories to you. Hilarious mishaps. I lost my balance and grabbed the
2: only thing I could to steady myself. I grabbed the teetering stack of about eight sheets of drywall. I hit all of my knees and elbows on the way down, (laughs) all of them. them.
0: (laughs) Workplace shenanigans. Carl and Ted had super glued all Bob's pencils and pens to his desk.
2: (laughs) Full disclosure, I smoked a lot of weed at that time.
0: (laughs) Awkward encounters as he's wandering around the party girl section of a clothing store. (laughs) Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at fmwlpod. That's fmwlpod. Email your stories to fmwlpod at gmail.com. That's fmwlpod at gmail.com. Have you ever wanted to have a conversation with your younger self? Share life lessons, impart wisdom, and let yourself know that the struggles you're facing now are building the person that you will become? The witness podcast is your home for real open conversation about mental health and making the most of the challenges life gives you tune in, do the work and let's grow together. Join us for the witness podcast.
2: Thank you so much to our sponsor anchor and for those other podcasts that we love and appreciate. And uh, what's up next? I think it's a deep space recon and I think it's my turn this week.
1: Oh yeah, been a, you've been exploring that room of yours, huh? Always. And <laughs> myself. <laughs>
2: oh no. It's going to go in a different direction than you think. Thank goodness for everybody involved. <laughs> uh, my Deep Base Recon, something I'm, I'm really digging right now and I have been digging for some time, is a Los Angeles, California-based band called Dead Sarah. They've been around for a number of years and a buddy of mine turned me on to them, like way back in the day, and uh, they just release a brand new album at the end of September. And it's a fucking banger. It's called Ain't It Tragic. And this new album is very much, um, if you're familiar with them, and if you're not, you should be because they're about to blow up. This new album is very much an evolution of all the different styles of music they've dabbled in over the years. The lead guitarist just fucking shreds. Like She's a great guitar player. The lead singer, Emily Armstrong, is a brilliant lyricist, brilliant songwriter. And the the four of them collaborating together have just put together this amazing rock and roll like album. And Emily Armstrong's vocals, I honestly think she has one of the best rock and roll voices in the industry today. Wow. She's able to scream and screech and yell and sing like her fucking lungs out, like one of the most powerful voices I've actually ever heard. So that at the front of this band, and then you get uh, Susie Medley, who's this fantastic fucking guitar player. She is amazing. She just fucking tears it up. Uh, their drummer, Sean Friday, he's excellent too. They're just a fantastic band. Their new album couldn't be better. I was so thrilled with it because it's really neat to see a band you like that's still kind of underground, who is on the cusp of being really huge, put out brand new music, and it, like, you're, you're always in fear of like the sophomore slump. It happens to a lot of bands Mm -hmm. and it's really, really thrilling and really just encouraging and heartening to see a band's sophomore album come out and just be fucking fantastic. So Dead Sarah, based out of Los Angeles, California, go check them out. I'm going to link their, I don't know, website or Spotify or something in the description for this episode, because they really, really deserve a lot of attention because you can tell this new album is just a huge labor of love and it's phenomenal. It's really fucking good.
0: Excellent. I'm going to go listen to them right after this episode. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah.
1: It sounds, it sounds super dope right up my alley.
0: Yeah. I believe we have an audience question, right Seth?
1: Oh, Do we have an audience. Yeah. Oh yeah. People are listening yeah. to this garbage. <laughs> there's a listener.
0: There's a listener out there that sent in a question. <laughs> Thanks mom. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> huh. uh, okay. This one comes to us from Gabby.
1: Thank you, Gabby. Gabby wants to know if we had to be friends with a fictional villain, who would it be? Zuko dibs. Oh, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Zuko is not a villain, my friend. <laughs>
0: he starts out as one. Yeah, I know he's not a villain. He starts out as No. One. Yeah, it's my He starts out answer. really confused. He's pretty insufferable.
2: Like even his uncle is kinda like, eh, this dude's a Are
1: we gonna have our first bleep? <laughs>
0: we made it so many episodes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) 29. Well, everybody has been an excellent 29 episodes. (laughs) We've just been banned from Apple.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Yeah. What do you, who's your villain? DT.
2: Uh, Dr. Doom from Marvel for sure. Yeah. Ah. He's a sorcerer. He's an evil son of a bitch, but I've mentioned this before on the podcast that the people of his country, Latveria love him because he's a dictator and he's a full on asshole, but his people love him because he actually really takes care of them. He's one of those villains, ah. kind of like Thanos, where, I mean, we're these are all bad people we're talking about. Like, none of these are actually people we'd want to be friends with, but if we had to be, Dr. Doom would be one because I think he'd be interesting and he's a sorcerer, which would be fun and dope as shit. And also he wears really cool armor that shouldn't actually work, but somehow as a visual, it completely works. Like he's wearing like essentially like a medieval suit of armor and like a man in the iron mask mask yeah. and then a green fucking like hood and cloak. Like this shit didn't, shouldn't work. But he just fucking pulls it off like he's got fucking style and he's 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 a cool motherfucker. And also Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four is also kind of a (laughs) so I kind of would would side with Dr. Doom on that one as well.
0: (laughs) You just never liked the Fantastic Four.
2: I love The Thing. The Thing is one of my all time favorite comic book characters ever, and I cannot wait for them to hopefully maybe someday do justice to him in movie form because they did not with michael chiklis who i love otherwise don't get your hopes up i know i know i'm like we've talked about the fact that i'm kind of on the outs with marvel anyway dr doom they're probably going to completely fuck up in the movies I'm i'm almost positive they're going to but i will always have that crazy psychotic narcissistic sorcerer who can rock a fucking medieval suit in a green cloak like no other and his people love him
1: it's not a bad, yeah, Dr. Doom is a pretty good choice, to be honest.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good one. I don't know. I, I My brain is still stuck in Atla mode. So I'm thinking about, actually, I'm thinking about Korra villains. Hmm. I have a strange obsession with Zahir. I don't think that he would, I would want to be buddies with like this full anarchist, but uh, I think he'd have in, insightful things to say. Yeah. Uh, Aman. I don't know. I, I just
1: like the villains from Korra, I guess. Korra's got some pretty good villains, including herself.
0: Oh, deep cut.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that at some point. So Alex, you and I have definitely talked about zahir for years now we oh we, yeah, we've talking about him a lot well this is the thing is, Aman
0: also season one, like it, a lot of people are talking about this is he is he is he wrong like is he is what he's doing is it because he a taking away bending yes, but like his his politics is it, mm?
1: well, that's the thing with a lot of politics is like they're not wrong. he just goes about them wrong
0: yeah, yeah, fair fair point fair point
1: so what's what's your actual pick, man?
0: maybe zahir just yeah. I would want to be part of like the, not, not the red Lotus, but just, ah, uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be friends with any of them. See, this is <laughs> like I was saying
2: before, like, these are not good people. Like we're picking these answers because we have to, not because we like admire these people. Yeah.
1: You have to be friends with yeah. them
2: is, is what the question says. So it's like lesser of all evils. Like which one would you most want to suffer
0: basically? Then, 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 yeah. Then come back to me. Cause I'm not going to pick any of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Um, I'm not going to give you a lot of time because I I know my choice uh, and that would be Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty
0: Oh, he's not not a villain
1: villain. he's a protagonist has any of you seen this TV show he is by a wide margin the worst villain in the entire universe absolutely you know what I I will literally die on this hill he is the villain of the show a thousand percent (laughs) yeah maybe ten thousand percent he's a villain at me, coward. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's actually pretty fucking awful. I'm going to allow it. He's an awful fucking terrible person. Yeah. He's bad. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point in this show because there's a lot to talk about with Rick and Morty.
2: Yeah, because I almost wouldn't even call him an
1: anti-hero. He's very much, he's he's a fucking mad scientist. Straight villain, man. He kills his family multiple times because he's lazy, like <laughs> pure villain. Yeah straight villain who doesn't give a shit however i am a fucking sucker for gadgets and science and making shit solving problems like that is my entire life so like if i have to pick a villain it's it's gonna be rick sanchez all
2: right i'm down i, I like it alack
0: yeah i get. I, i'm gonna have to stick with one of my first ones i'll just have i'll go with aman and maybe he can teach me some cool things about bending but um yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. It makes me feel uncomfortable picking villains to be friends with. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which, which Villian, which, which, vi- which, fi- which, Nathan Fillion would you want to be friends oh, with? Shit. Which fictional, f- which, which fictional, f- which uh, fictional Nathan Fillion would you want to be friends with? Oh,
0: it's with? Mal from Firefly. Uh, I want to live on the serenity. I <laughs> yeah. Li- but I, yeah, I want to live on serenity, but I, hmm. Rick Castle. It would be it would be castle for me.
1: Mal's a good choice, but I think I uh, castle's pretty good too. Alex, you, you kind of nailed it with that one. Uh, I'm definitely going to choose Cade Six from Destiny though.
2: Ooh, that's, oh, that's that's sneaky, sneaky. Uh, that's mm-hmm. an underhanded pick, <laughs> and I'm a fan. Yeah, well done. He's
0: got so, seth has got some good picks this week. That's um, yeah, Cade Cade would be great. Yeah. I picked Rick because I hopefully I could learn something about writing from him, but. Um, just like a rich dude that solves crimes and it's like right up my alley. It's like writer guy, writer guy solves crimes and he's not really part of the establishment and he gets to be quirky and do all the antics, but none of the true, none of the true responsibility.
2: And I picked Mal because I'm a sucker for like that anti-hero sort of, you know, begrudgingly heroic character like Han Solo, you know?
1: Oh yeah. I would, I would, I would do many illegal things to partake. To be on Serenity for a while. I really
2: thought you were going to say you're going to do many illegal things to Mal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well. I was like, cool, man. They wouldn't be illegal.
0: No, it would be consensual. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> if anybody could woo Mal Reynolds, I think it would be you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I think that's going to do that for this episode of Space Castle. <laughs> Uh, as always, it is your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. Thank you guys so much for listening. Share us with a friend. And uh, whatever podcatcher you might be listening to us on, please leave a review and maybe subscribe. And maybe if you're feeling interested in trying something new like Star Wars did with Visions... Uh, Give us a try on Good Pods. We're doing a lot of cool stuff over there. You're actually able to follow us. You're able to see what shows we like and are listening to. Uh, They're calling it like the Facebook for podcasts. And we're big fans. We've got some activity going on there. All of our episodes are available. Uh, We also have a tip jar. Um, Yeah, Good Pods. It's actually good shit
1: we're big fans of, of
0: good pods we're not big fans of facebook yeah it's a facebook of podcasts with all the negative implications taken out
2: well i mean it's just <laughs> it's a it's an elevator pitch that's what they're going with but yeah thank you guys as always for listening and thank you to our very special friend and part-time lover brian lovett for his help in producing and co-writing our theme song d's notes we love you brian uh as always
0: i am dt <laughs> red wine alex friend of here. <laughs> molotov Don hammer molotov Don hammer <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I'm still Seth unfortunately. (laughs) Maybe I'm Sith. I don't know. I can't get it straight. You are
2: Sith from now on. Yeah. Sith Seth. (laughs) Yeah. Your beard. Your beard reflects your soul like a lightsaber crystal does. Yeah. Your fiery red beard.
0: (laughs) 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 Thanks for listening.
1: (laughs) Bye. Love you.